Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Rachel Lego, VP of Marketing at Certus, a pest control company that's changing the pest control industry. Rachel, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Jeremy, for having me. I really appreciate it. So now when we spoke a few weeks ago, you told me that the vast majority of pest control companies in the United States are kind of small mom and pop outfits that do business in their local community. And that Certus is evolving the industry by acquiring a lot of those companies at a very fast rate and bringing them in under the Certus brand or under the Certus umbrella. And so as VP of marketing, a lot of your focus has been on internal communications specifically helping all those folks that you're bringing in acclimate to being part of Certus, getting to know the leadership, getting to know each other. What's been the most challenging part of that process for you so far? Well, I, I think, you know, we're kind of building the plane while we're flying it is one thing. So we're a two-year-old company mm -hmm. and we started as 8 million and we're just about over 70 million after this month's acquisitions. So growing very fast and I've been with the company Oh, about four months leading the the marketing efforts, and that does include internal communications. So we were founded as a company by our CEO, Mike Givlin, because he really saw a space where we needed to do things differently. There was a space for a different kind of consolidator and on the principle that there's always a better way, and not just in the service that we provide and pest control, but there's always a better way in business. We can always learn from somebody else. And so we're, we're very different from the other large companies that come in and kind of have their acquisition machine. We've bought you. This is who we are. Fit into, you know, be a cog, fit into our wheel and we're moving. You better move with us. So when we acquire a company, it's usually family owned and run. A couple started it as themselves and grew it up from there. And these are people who worked with this family and worked in the community and they're often relatively surprised. They're surprised, they're anxious, are they going to keep their jobs? A lot of the big consolidators, unlike us, will go and do a 20% synergistic reduction off the bat. So, you know, the real fear of, am I going to have a job tomorrow is something we try to overcome. We do not do any synergistic layoffs, so we don't lay people off just because we've acquired a company in the same footprint. You know, we basically say we can learn from every company that we acquire, what do they do better that we can roll out to everywhere else. And it's a little hard for the people to believe that when we say it. So we have something called a first yeah. impressions meeting where we go and we have at least one executive meeting face to face with those employees on the first day. We, we really tell them our promises that we don't lay off. Welcome to the family. We're happy to have you here. We, we bought this company because you're successful, because you're doing well. We want to learn and listen. And, and, you know, honestly, they're all words until you show what you're going to do. And we're working on that plan right now. So we've, we've decided, you know, you need to keep it very simple. You can't have jargon. We can't have sort of speak. If we have a glossary, we've failed because we're onboarding four or five companies a month. And if we don't speak plain English, then nobody's understanding what we're saying. So we've taken things like, you know, our our mission, vision, and values and, and shared those in, in plain speak. We've, you know, we look at our brand personality, our brand voice. You know, you talk to a service person about that, it's it seems, you know, academic. So we've turned that into the Certus family values and the Certus house rules. 
So these are the seven things that, that you need to do to be successful. And if that's all you do, then you're going to do a fantastic job. And uh, I mm. look at things as a lens of a mother. So that's really how we, we did that. We put together house rules, things like if you say it, do it. Always look for a better way. Have conversations, be humble and listen. These are things that, you know, you don't need to translate. We don't have the time to translate. We're moving too quickly. We really train our leaders to speak in conversational plain English. Okay, so language is really crucial, it, it sounds like, as, as it is in marketing generally, but especially here with the nature of how you guys are building and, and acquiring companies so quickly, it sounds like that personal touch is really important and that literally just having human-to-human -human conversations like you would with, with somebody you know and not with president of the company to your subordinates. Yeah, I mean, we set ourselves apart in the industry by being a company that's run by people who started as technicians. So 80% of our leadership started their job as a pest technician. And that makes a really big difference from corporations where they started their job with an Ivy League MBA. You know, we can relate very well to the people who work for us because we've been there, we've done it, we've grown it. And, and so, again, these are all family companies that we're buying. And we want to keep that family feel. We understand we're not family owned. We didn't go to the local high school. You know, we have a larger support system, but we're trying to build a house where everybody can grow by always finding a better way. And that's one of the really awesome things when we're acquiring these companies that fills our whole leadership team with pride, honestly. You know, we can go in within 30 days, we've got five promotions. We find all this hidden talent that's been capped because it's a small company. And once that cap comes off and we, they have a bigger place to grow and a better support system, then, you know, we just get promotion announcements one after another after another. And it's fantastic. So it sounds like leadership communication is really important because as you just described, the, the leaders, they know the pest industry. They started there as technicians. And it, it, it sounds like from what you're saying that that connection, that a, just letting the, the companies that you're bringing on know that, for one thing. And then having that dialogue, having those conversations so that it's not just you telling people, yeah, sure, they started as technicians, but putting those, put, putting those folks in dialogue with the leadership is a big part of bringing them on and kind of cementing that relationship. Does that sound right? Yeah, and you, and you said a, a real key word there is conversations, right? Mm. So we have conversations. We practice active listening. We sit, we listen, we want to be able to understand the perspective of the teams that are being brought in. We don't make radical changes within 90 days. We, we want to hear them. So one of our core family values is to be humble, flexible, and listen. And mm -hmm. we hold our leadership to that every day. So it, it's not really going in and telling them what we're about. It's, it's going in and listening. And we're trying to find creative ways to share previous employees' experiences. These are things in, in a couple months I haven't been able to put in place yet, but we've got plans to. Things like having, you know, employees who have been there with acquisitions that we did a year ago and are in new, mm -hmm. better positions that are growing their careers, share those messages on FaceTime-like videos. Yeah. You know, being authentic, being credible, and and not being, you know, the slick company, frankly, mm -hmm. we want to be, we want to have that conversational feel. Yeah. And, you know, 
having good conversations, a big part of that is listening. Yep, absolutely. So we want to hear those perspectives. And, and again, we look to, for every company that we acquire, we look to get at least one thing that they're doing better and that we mm -hmm. can bring across to our now 35 companies next month, probably 40, you know, as, as we go. And some of these are like, you know, two, three employee companies and some of them are 40. Yeah. So again, that, that plain English is really, truly important. Not having, yeah. you know, this is the way we say this word, or I'll use something I mean, some of us have used in our past on brand and being mm -hmm. on brand, meaning you're, you have a clean vehicle, you know, your uniform looks good, your, your shoes aren't filthy, you know, you're presenting yourself on yeah. brand. That's a very uh, marketing term, right? Mm -hmm. we, we don't say that. We're like, we keep our house neat and tidy. Mm -hmm. That's something that, you know, everybody can understand. Mom said, take your muddy shoes off when you come in the door, you know, right, and like so you your said, vehicle yeah. is your house and you want to represent your house well. And mm -hmm. and trying to, to be plain English like that is truly important. Yeah. And, you know, I imagine that it's that's easier said than done, that you you might think that just using plain English, like, well, that would be natural. It's easier. But I would think, tell me if I'm right or wrong, that especially in a corporation, the reason that corporate jargon exists in the first place is because it's kind of a crutch. It's shorthand, right? And that it actually takes, I would think, more effort and kind of a deliberate strategy to say, no, no, we need to use plain English and then figure out exactly what that plain English is going to sound like to communicate in an efficient way. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. I mean, particularly for leadership, we're all coming from different backgrounds. There's a good chunk of us that have a lot of business to business in our background, which mm -hmm. I think increases the corporate jargon because yeah. you're talking corporation to corporation. Nobody wants to hear from a corporation anymore, not right. even a business buyer, right? Everybody wants to hear from a person. But it, but we've been taught, I've had 25 plus years of marketing and corporate communications beat into me, and I could write in corporate speak in my sleep. Right. And stopping myself from writing do not and writing don't because that's how we speak. Mm -hmm. You know, not right. making complex sentences that are 35 words and being, wow, look at how that flows together. Nobody reads it anymore. We have a do's and don't that we share with leadership on that. We're like, believe it or not, guys, write to the ninth grade level. You're not dumbing it down. You're making it easily accessible. Like even those of us who went to grad school collegiate level writing was hard to read. That's why it was work, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make it easy. You don't want people to be thinking about your 50 cent word. They don't think you're smart. They yeah. just don't understand your message. Right. Or you come across as aloof and sort of distant or, or condescending even. Yeah. And absolutely, particularly in written communication yeah. and, you know, the leadership and, and those of us at, you know, who have experience working at corporate headquarters, may talk like that like very naturally because it's been trained yeah. but it increases that gulf between the people who are actually making our company great and those are the people who are delivering our service and we want them to feel like they're not talking to corporate but they're talking to their support team because mm -hmm. that's what we are i mean my coo does ride-alongs all the time Mm -hmm. And she's out there in the field. It's her favorite thing to do. And that's not usual. She doesn't introduce herself as the COO. She doesn't like her fancy title, frankly. She says, hi, I'm Amy. I'm, I'm here to, from corporate to help you. Let me 
know what's not working. How can I help make it better? Mm-hmm. And making sure that you speak the language that other people speak is important to create that trust in that relationship. Absolutely. I mean, you can't have a real conversation with someone if you're not speaking the same language. Yeah. And and again, it's having a conversation and not talking at them. In yeah, they stop listening. I've I've been yeah. lucky enough in my career to do both service marketing and CPG B two B product marketing. And you know, product marketing if if your product's not working right, you got to listen to your customers. But you talk to industrial design, you talk to engineering, you change a formula, you tweak a package, you make the bottle stronger. You know, you get a, a team together to do Six Sigma Kaizen, and you figure it out. Right. You can't do that in service. Like my frontline people are my company. They are the product. And that's not to dehumanize them, but they're what we're promising. They're delivering it. And the only way to ensure that your product delivers is to make sure they understand it, they own it, they love it, and they get what you're trying to do. It's all about internal communication. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when we first met, you also told me that in the pest control business, the owners of these companies tend to skew a little bit older. And so how does that affect how you communicate? Yeah, so we've got three distinct audiences. I mean, every company Mm -hmm. has employees and your customers. We have our employees. We have our customers who we provide pest control to to help them protect their families. But we also have the companies we're trying to acquire. And there's almost 19,000 pest control companies in the United States. So the the vast majority of them are mom and pop, grown up, built companies. And, uh, you know, a lot of these are baby boomers. And a lot of them are, you know, have been working really hard. It is a very hard job. It's a tough industry. And it's done by people who love to do it and really have a service mind, want to want to protect their communities. But at the same time, it's physically demanding. And as they grow, they they know how to kill bugs, but now they have to deal with the new HR law or, you know, mm. the labor shortage or OSHA or EPA reporting or all these other things that, frankly, as a two-man shop, they didn't sign up for. So they're looking to exit. And it's an old-school group of people, so we've got to move to old-school tactics. I had one owner I texted after we purchased to to talk with him. He's like, I'm so glad I got your text. I just learned how to do this. We've got people who, you know, they started their business on index cards for customers and word of mouth and no websites and technology is just daunting to them. So we go, we go old school. We send out handwritten letters and it catches their attention because they, you know, you know what? My guy's handwriting isn't the best. It's not calligraphy. But it's a true handwritten letter that somebody sent, spent the time to write and send to them mm. and it catches their attention. We'll do, you know, direct mail that's creative, like sending a safe and saying, if you want in the safe, give me a call. I have the key, you know, stuff that's sticky like that, but it's not, you know, digital advertising. And we do that too, but we, we do things that are a little bit more tangible a lot of the time. And just good old net, good old fashioned networking. I have to say that mm-hmm. a golf tournament still works for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Getting people together on the golf course. Yep. Time time honored tradition. So now with with such fast growth, you also need to think about how to position Certus as a company that can attract talent. And that's and the cha- part of the challenge there, I would think, is 
pest control, not the sexiest industry in the world. No, nope. right? it's not high tech. So what are your thoughts around that? Well, it's not high tech, but it is very technical, right? Mm. So we are working hard to professionalize the industry and really share with people that this isn't a job. This is a career. This is a trade, a skill that you learn. And we, we reach for people who are service oriented, who have a growth mindset and really get fulfilled by serving their community and doing better. And, and this is a public health necessity. But we're trying to change our recruiting approach as well. And because I am the, the marketing person, the only communications person right now in the, you know, in the corporate uh, side of things, then I work with our VP of HR to do that. So instead of saying pest technician and talking about all the things we want you to do, we say our CEO started as a technician. How's that for career potential? And really focus on 80% of our leaders. And we're talking about market presidents all the way down, started as a technician. Like this is a career as big as your ambition. It can be what you want it to be. And we talk about the things that they're going to get. You get to service your community. You get to help people who need you. You get full benefits, 401k, competitive pay. We've moved to signing bonuses like so many others as we're trying in this really strange labor market to find the right people to help us grow. Yeah. So again, it sounds like uh, thought leadership and leadership communication is really important part of what you're dealing with. Yeah, it absolutely is. But it comes down to the one thing is like, it's, you know, it's an overused word, I guess, but it's being authentic. Like we, mm -hmm. we hold each other to don't say something you're not going to do. Be transparent, be honest. And if you say you're going to do it, do it. I mean, that's one of our Certus House rules is it's, you know, not something flowery like we keep all our promises to our to our clients or but it's mm -hmm. it's really that simple. You say it, do it. And mm -hmm. we have to lead by that example. We expect that of our service people. So we expect that of our leadership. And it just takes time once they see that over yeah. and over and over again. And once you have enough people, you know, we had one company we acquired and and somebody posted on Facebook, hey, we just got acquired by this person. Does anybody have experience with that? And we didn't do anything with it. We're not active yet on Facebook as a company. And But somebody else is like, hey, yeah, we were acquired. It's been awesome. They've done everything they said they would. I've been promoted. And that kind of authentic, organic sort of word of mouth is priceless, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we do. We focus on... It, it was really fun as somebody who's branding's my favorite thing with marketing, um, a geek mm -hmm. behind it. I love the whole process of building brands and have had that unique experience a couple of times in my career. And so when I came in to do the branding work here, it's the first thing that I did. Let's put down on paper what we are. So we all have that touchstone. It was really fun because we already knew what we were. We just hadn't articulated it in a way that we could share and rally around. But it wasn't, you know, this dream up, what do we want to be? And then how do we close the gap? Which happens so often. Like, here's our ideal. Here's what we are. How do we get there? It was really more, how do we articulate what we're also very passionate about? And it, mm -hmm. it was also cross-functional. So I even had my CFO doing workshops on brand archetypes. So we had all of our operations people, technical people, HR. It wasn't marketing 
doing it in the back room, getting the C-suite's mm-hmm. approval and pushing it down. It it really, truly was authentic because everybody, I was shocked how engaged everybody was in the process. Well, that's great, right. Uh, having kind of marketing work more in a silo is not a great way to achieve that kind of authenticity yeah. <laughs> because you don't know what you don't know, right? You're But bringing everyone together, you're bound to get something that's more organic or just bringing in different viewpoints. It's that sounds like a better way to do it. Yeah. And again, we came up with something that's simple, understandable, straight language and something that's very shareable. So, Rachel, final thoughts. What's your advice for marketing and communications professionals in, in your position faced with incorporating a lot of companies under one umbrella? I think my advice would be above all, listen. Uh, active listening, seek to understand what every company has, what every unique situation is. Don't try to just shove everything down, down the pipe and keep it simple. Like really challenge yourself. And this has been a tough challenge for me with so many years of, of corporate writing. Keep, Keep it simple and make sure that you're truly talking your audience's language as you would to a consumer employees. It's the same way. You need to understand what motivates them, how to connect on that emotional level and and how to do so in a language they understand. Great advice. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for your time and for a great conversation. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jeremy. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.